Okay, everybody, welcome back to another Lakut Maran Shear. This is our 20th Shear. And as always, if you're interested uh, in more, you can check out the SoundCloud account, my SoundCloud. Everything's on Nach Daily or Shai Sussman at SoundCloud. Or you can go now, Baruch Hashem, all these Shearim are now being hosted on the Breslov Research Institute website, on their YouTube channel, on their SoundCloud, BRI. Uh, so that's exciting. Again, it's getting out there. And also, as always, the last few weeks, these shurim are, uh, should be a refu shalema for Reb Chaim Kramer, who's getting over corona, but apparently still has some ways to go. And he's obviously the uh, founder of the Breslov Research Institute. And so many of his books, so many of his writings has inspired thousands and thousands of people across the world. So this year should be a schus for refu shalema for him. Okay, so now... Let's jump right in. Uh, tonight, we're going to start learning lesson. Whoops, sorry about that. Tonight, we're going to start learning lesson Ayin Ches in Tinyana. That's lesson 78 in Lakutimaran, the second chalik of Lakutimaran. I'm going to pull it up on the screen share in a few minutes when we get there. And uh, we're probably actually going to be learning this piece for the next few weeks. So I want to be doing this piece for the next few weeks. It will probably take us to Shavuos maybe after and we'll see how we get it's not the most involved piece but it's a little bit longer and again as we're seeing in many of Rebbe Nachman's Torahs although they might be short in size they're very very large in depth so I do want to do a quick overview of the piece just to give a general kind of outline and then we'll kind of jump right into the piece and we'll start learning it so I'm excited about it so an overview of the themes over here is obviously, and again, these points will all become clearer as we learn more and as we explain more. But for the general overview is uh, the themes are simplicity. How does the world exist prior to receiving the Torah? How our connection to the land of Eretz Yisrael, what Rabbi Nachman called Derech Eretz Yisrael, the path to Eretz Yisrael. Somehow that Derech to Eretz Yisrael is something that gives us all strength. We're going to learn about the, something called the Otzer Matnaschinim, the treasury of unearned gifts, and how the tzaddik gives strength to the entire world. And last, last but not least, last but not least, some good old-fashioned Breslover Chizik, straight from Rebbe Nachman to us. So that's an incredible thing. Uh, also, one of the reasons why I wanted to learn this piece is because nowadays, in many regards, uh, I've, we're all just simple Jews, which means everyone's trying to hang in there and we'll, we'll get more clear as we learn further in the piece, but everyone's just hanging on in there. Everyone's trying their best, you know, and so much of the Torah and so much of the regular activities that we learn. Well, I could ask everyone to mute themselves a little bit. Let me see. I think I'm the master. So I'm able to do that. Okay. Hey, uh, so clicking over here. All right. So as we, as we, uh, everyone's just hanging on, everyone's just hanging on and at Nadarul's to engage in the regular Torah learning that we're doing and the regular religious activities in Yiddishkeit that we're used to doing, not everyone's able to do that. So we could fall into a trap and thinking, well, we're second rate. If I can't perform in the way of optimal performance in the way that I want to perform in the way that I'm used to performing. So we could fall into a trap of thinking we're second rate and what are we really doing? And as this time period's filled a lot of up and downs for all of us, I felt that this would be 
this would be a, a good thing because Baruch Hashem, we have the tzaddik to show us behind the scenes what's really happening and the spiritual skeleton of all spiritual growth and the framework for such a thing. And also, another reason why I want to learn this piece uh, quickly before we jump in is because it talks about the value of learning Torah. And if we're, we're holding before Shulis, it's a hop, skip, and a jump away. So I felt that it would be appropriate to learn this. More specifically, this is all just house, housekeeping stuff before we jump into the piece. More specifically, uh, tonight we're going to learn about how the tzaddik loses all his levels and becomes totally and utterly simple, what he called prostic. And we'll also have our Parsha connection in the end, looking forward. So let me, let me go to the screen share now. Over here. Screen share. Okay. Can everyone see that in the screen share? Thumbs up, if you could see it. Thumbs up. Okay. So a, uh, I'm going to start reading. And again, we're going to open with seeing about how the tzaddik at certain times becomes totally simple. And he, Rabbi Nachman is going to take a little bit of a detour from the first point that he started with, which is stylistically classical of Mekutim Aran, to start with a, a big idea, a sentence, and kind of work its way back to that idea, and then be able to explain it. So I'm just going to jump right in and start reading. Okay, Ayin Ches, you see over here in the highlighted, it starts. This is in the second chilek of Mekutim Aran Tenyana. Again, less than 78. Uh, in regards to the custom or the ability of this simpleness of the true tzaddik. There are times when the tzaddik, MS, the true tzaddik, becomes utterly simple. Shikorin prostic. That in Yiddish, apparently, I don't speak Yiddish, but apparently that means simple. Prostic. That the tzaddik goes with no level, he's totally ordinary. And he doesn't reveal any Torah. And he talks regular, regular vocabulary, regular words. And at that point, the tzaddik MS, the true tzaddik, is considered an ish pashat mamish. So, we're going to explain a little bit what this means, and we're going to see a piece in Sichas Aran on this. But just to recap, he starts off saying that just takes it for granted. There are times that the true tzaddik or that tzaddikim, they become ordinary. They can't hold on to their levels with all their knowledge, with all their Torah learning, with all their uh, vast ability to succeed and perceptions. Nevertheless, with all their high, high levels that they're able to attain, there are times in their life when they become pashat, they become utterly, utterly simple. So I want to show a piece in Sichus Haran that sheds a little bit of light on this. Okay, this is from Sichus Haran, lesson Kufnun Gimel. I'm putting it up on the share screen. That's 153. I'm just jumping into the middle of the piece, which gives a little bit of background on this piece. Okay, so it says, uh, I'm just start from where I highlighted over here. Uh, the the pre the preface to what this says it says how it was when Rabbi Nachman was in Uman uh, he only lived in Uman around the last six months of his life he actually moved there to die and there was a time where he was about to say Torah at the Friday night Shabbos Tish but at that moment he 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 wasn't able to say any Torah and listen to what he said to his followers this is recorded from Reb Nussin Reb Nussin Anav Amar. Uh, 
second of the highlighted lines. Ma atem nosem eitzli. He opened up and he said in front of all the people that came to hear from him, Ma atem nosem eitzli. Why are you traveling to me? Hello, ani enu yodea ata klal. Isn't it that I don't know anything at all now? Ukeshani omer Torah yeshlachem aman linsoa bilavo alai. And when I say Torah, uh, then I understand why you guys are traveling to me. But now, why have you come to me? Hello, ani eni yodea ata cloud. Don't you know right now? I don't know anything at all. Eni yodea ata cloud. I don't know anything at all right now. Kiani ata rak prostic legamri. I, right now, I am totally ordinary. And now Sir Reb Nassim interjecting, and he went on to explain this. And he doubled and tripled. He repeated his words saying, I know nothing at all. That he's totally and utterly pashut. He's totally and utterly simple. And what does he say? I said, the only reason that I have strength now is only because one time I was in Eretz Yisrael. Parenthetically, the Rabbi Nachman's trip to Eretz Yisrael is very well documented in Shvach Eran, where it talks about his Sipor Eretz Yisrael. It's a whole mini kuntras in its own right, the amazing uh, challenges he went to over get there. Veheirich b'sichazu, zos sheba emes la'amito, eno yodea klal klalo, v'shu rak prostik legamri, rak shumachayis afamashaya, so he says, right now, he doesn't know anything at all. He doesn't know anything whatsoever. The only thing that he has is that the time is when he went to Eretz Yisrael is the only reason why he's still able to sustain, to sustain himself in, a, uh, in, any way, in any way, shape, or form. So I think this is really, this is, this, I want to explain this, this little bit. And this piece about Eretz Yisrael will get clearer as we learn more because kind of leaves it and comes back to it. But one thing is, is that this is really encouraging. This is already really encouraging because if Rebbe Nachman, at certain points in his life, like we just saw, he said, why are you coming to me? I don't know anything at all. If Rebbe Nachman himself didn't know anything at all, with all his amazing high levels and everything that he attained in life, how much more so is there going to be times in our lives where we don't know anything either, right? How much more so is there going to be times in our lives that, that we're also going to find that maybe we're not succeeding or the Torah that we learned, we don't remember. So I think there's an amazing physic there. Also, you really see that, that failure, when people think of success and failure, so people think, well, well, how do you succeed is you try really, really hard. You try really, really strong and you're really, really committed. And if you're really, really strong and you push and push and push, so then, so then, you, won't, then you won't fall. Then you'll be successful in life. But what we're seeing here is that the deeper message that's going to come out is that success and failure isn't in relation to how strong you push on the outside world. That it seems that there's a deeper dimension that actually part of the framework for spiritual growth built into the framework of spiritual growth is failing in its own right that it's not just a matter oh if you push and you push and you push you'll, you'll succeed or if you're really really committed then you'll succeed 
but part of spiritual growth in its own right is the fact that you're going to fall and the fact that you're going to fail. And we're going to see how this is. So it comes out that a person who is always spiritually growing, a person who's always growing in their Yiddishkeit is someone who's also experiencing a lot of difficulty and a lot of hardship. So a person will think, well, if I persevere and I push myself to succeed and I go ahead and I try really, really strongly, then I'm going to have no more problems in life, right? But where Nachman is showing that there's a deeper dimension here, as we've been learning in the last piece that we saw in lesson Memches in 48 in Tinyana, that his he is karvus, that distancing is in itself bringing close. There's something about spiritual growth in its own right that a person who's always growing is also at the same time going to experience struggle and hardship, some that they couldn't even imagine. To the point himself that, as we just saw right now, Rabbi Nachman says, there were times when all my levels were taken from me, and there were times where I had absolutely no knowledge, previous knowledge of anything that I want. Because as a person is always growing, they're also going to have a Yerida as well, right? That's part of the dimension. So when people think of success, they, people think, like I always... Like, the, like as a therapist, it's something that comes up in my practice. Like people, they fall and, and, and we all fail in different areas of our life and people want to be successful. They say, well, I want to be successful. How to be successful? Well, if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll be successful. Well, it's not necessarily true because when it comes to sp spiritual success, you're always going to fall as part of the process of spiritual growth as well. So part of being successful is actually falling in, in the process of it that a person experiences a Yerida. This is also what the Gemara says. Uh, I don't remember where it says this, but I was thinking it says that Tzaddik talks about this a lot, that a Torah is only acquired by someone who stumbles in it, which means it's precisely uh, part, of the part of the spiritual blueprint of growth is falling as well. And this reminded me, and we're going to move on to the next piece. So this is just going to segue into the, into the next piece over here, but it reminded me of a story of the Baal Shem Tov that I, I believe, I hope I'm not messing up any details over here, I might be, but I don't think I am, that one of his, on his journey to Eretz Yisrael, which fits very, very nicely over here, as part of his journey to Eretz Yisrael, there was a super storm that landed up, uh, that landed on his boat. And uh, his daughter, Udal said to him, you know, Tati, Abba, do something. Uh, we want you to save us, you know, use your magic, use your high madregas and everything like that in order to get us out. And basically, the Baal Shem Tov turned to his daughter, Odol, and said, uh, right now, I'm a simple Jew. All my levels have been taken from me. And I can't remember a single thing. All my wisdom and all my madregas were taken from me now. But the only thing that I could remember is the olive base. So let's start with the olive base. So he said, olive, uh, base, buh. And he said these letters, and that was able to bring him up to his higher perceptions and levels of consciousness of life, and they got out of the situation however they got out of the situation. But you see, the point being is that, besides the fact that it's a really awesome story, the point being is that no one could stay on the same level constantly, that there's something about... Uh, the, way the, the way the human condition is designed, the, the rules of creation, the way Hashem created us is that a person can't stay on the same levels of consciousness 
constantly through. That we see even by big tzaddikim, uh, whether that was the story of the Baal Shem Tov, or as we're learning now in Rabbi Nachman, and all the tzaddikim for that matter, uh, that Rabbi Nachman said, all my levels were taken from me. Because it's against the human condition, it's against the rules of creation that Hashem created that, created us that way. Uh, so now we're going to see in the next piece over here, so this is already amazing. This is already amazing over here because everyone wants to be okay. You know, everyone wants to be fine, you know, but what Rabbi Nachman's going to reveal a deeper dimension of that. You can't always be on the same level always, you know, and that's part of the, that's part of the rules of creation. It's built like that by design. Okay, I'm going back to the screen share. Okay, now we're jumping into over here where it says da. Da. You guys see that? Okay. So what he's going to explain over here, he's going to, he's going to ask this question that how does a person how is it possible for a person to stay on the same level? He's going to ask it in a different fashion. He's going to ask it a tad differently. What he's going to say, he's going to speak this round around in a circle. And this is stylistically the way, the way certain things Lakutimaran Lakutiman work, which means, and the Maral also wrote like this, that when they wanted to stress an idea and they thought that it would be very, if they wrote it in one sentence, they thought it might be overlooked. What they would do is they would repeat it over and over again. So here we're going to see how Rabbi Nachman repeats the same question over and over and over again. But the reason why he's doing that is to show us that he's trying to say something very big. He's trying to say something deep. So instead of saying it in one sentence, he's going to repeat it over and over again. And essentially what he's going to ask is, he's going to ask this question from the angle of Torah. What he's going to say is, if Torah is our life, how is it possible to ever separate yourself from Torah? Because if Torah is life itself, so then how is it possible or why did Hashem make it in the creation that there are times where a person is forced to stop learning or not learn as much as they're used to? I'm going to read through it. I, I think that fits with nowadays totally, you know? Okay. Da. Ki iker You should know. The main point of life, the main life is Torah. Like it says in the Pasuk. Torah is our life, it's our vitality, and it's the length of our days. And whoever separates from Torah, it's as if they're separating from life. Therefore, it's astounding. How is it possible for a person to separate themselves from Torah if Torah is our life, right? So if you separate from life, that means you're dying. So how is it possible for a person to separate from Torah? This is something that has been established as part of the rules of creation, that it's impossible to constantly be David to Torah. Lost the spot over here, stickle tracking problems. Okay. It's impossible to constantly be connected to her, Yom and Belayla, day and night. Without a moment's break. And anyone who's a Baal Torah, a master of Torah, right? Uh, yeah, whether it's a person who's a Lamdin, who learns Gemara Rashi with Tosfos, 
or Kyotse or anything similar. Kol echa kifi erko, every person according to their value. Ukufi esek limudo, according to whatever they like to learn. Ubehechrek shiyabato mehatora ezeshabio. It's necessary. It's absolutely, they have to separate, be mavato, nullify Torah for even, for a certain time amount every day. Even a person who does have perceptions and deep understanding. And a person who's able to go higher and higher and higher. Nevertheless, it has to be that they have to be mavato from their mindset, from their learning for a certain period of time. Because it's impossible for a person to have Torah, to learn Torah without any interruptions. For even for an hour, either to do business or anything similar. Right? Because the person also needs to work and take care of their, their body and the things of the need. So just to recap, Rabbi Nachman saying, if Torah is our life, Torah how is it possible that a person should separate from Torah? Not only that, we see that the way the world was created, that even a person who learns, they have to take breaks from learning Torah. So you have to do business, you have to go to the bathroom, you have to eat. Nowadays, everyone's got to watch their kids, right? It's impossible to always be learning Torah. Even if you're on a very high, high level, he says, it's impossible that it's impossible that you're always going to learn every second. This highlighted line over here. And the rule is, it's impossible to constantly be dovic to Torah without any interruption. And it's necessary that a person needs to uh, a person needs to uh, be mavatel, uh, have interruption for a period of time. Uba also sha'ash mavatel na Torah, and that time where his Torah is interrupted, azai zeh halamdin o abal asago, hu bechinas ish pashut mamish, hainu prastik. That time when the person needs to be mavatel from Torah and interrupt Torah, at that moment, they're considered a simple Jew. A simple Jew. Like the Leonard Skinner song that people people were sending me. Because baby, we are simple. Can a man. Right? You're considered a simple, simple, simple man. But nevertheless, this is something that is very hard. How is it possible to separate from Torah? Isn't it our life? And who is a person who would dare to separate from life itself even a moment? Even though, even though, sorry, just spaced out for a second. The tracking on, it's funny, the tracking for me on the computer screen when I read, it's very difficult. All the letters get like all flipped around for me. It's like all my learning disabilities come out. Okay. Uh, even though, okay. Even though, 
bitul kiyuma. Even those Chazal say that the interrupt, the nullification of Torah, that itself is allows for it to be mikayim. Af who in their right mind would still want to be mavatum? Even though the bittel of the Torah really creates a greater establishment of Torah. Nevertheless, even though that's true, it's still better to connect yourself to Torah. That it's our life and it's the length of our days. And who's a person who wants to separate from life for even a moment? You want to, you want to die for even a, a minute? The answer is obviously no. In particular, a person who, who is merited to love of Torah, and, and, and likes to learn, and is diligent, and connects to Torah, and even more so a person who tastes from the sweetness of Torah, to make, to have chidushim, uh, novelty ideas, even a person who has a chiddush in Gemara Rashi Tosos, even a kolshikin of a kolshikin, bala saga, a person who has perceptions, and in specific, a person who's zoche too, the hidden treasures of Panimia Satora and Kabbalah, and this, the, the treasures and this, Amayla, this advantage, it's impossible to even imagine. Right? And how is it possible to separate from Torah even for, even for a little bit? Uba MS. Hold on, let me find the place again. Uba MS. EF Charlios Davik by Torah And the truth is, it's impossible to always be connected to Torah constantly. Because it's necessary, it's, you're forced, by force, by life itself, that you're going to have to interrupt and separate from Torah. And if so, now he asks a question, how is it possible, if so, how is a person sustained in life when they separate from Torah? Isn't the main thing of life Torah itself? Isn't the main thing of life Torah itself? So I just want to explain this and do a, and do a little recap, even though, even though <coughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Then on one hand, we have these two opposing forces. On one hand, Torah is our life. Any person who separates Torah from Torah, it's like they're separating from life. Right? It's like, who wants to die? Right? I know people say, uh, someone once told me, someone once told me this story. My old Chavrusa, Yoli Klein, uh, who lives in Eric Chisarl, he told me that he was once someplace and it was a little bit of a wild party in this place in Eric Chisarl. And the, the person was uh, inebriated, the person was drunk in the, uh, at this party that he was at, and he, he, get, he kept going over to Yoli and saying, people think Rebbe Nachman's so chilled out. He's not so chilled out, man. He's not so chilled out. He kept on repeating that, you know? He's not so chilled out. Like here he's saying, like, a person who separates from Torah, it's like they're killing themselves. It's like you're dying, right? 
A person who separates from Torah, it's like they're killing themselves. It's like death. Who would choose death? No one would choose death. But on the other hand, we see the other opposing reality that the way Hashem set up the rules of creation is that it's absolutely necessary that a person needs to a person needs to a, uh, be mavato from Torah at different points in their life. That it's impossible for a person to constantly remain on the same level and dovik to Torah literally 24 hours a day. So how is it possible that a person, when they're not connected to Torah, how is it possible that they actually still remain, how is it possible that a person, that they actually still remain alive? How's it, this is great. You like this, Ellie? You guys like it, right? So I want to speak this out a little bit. I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're going to go. I don't know. Oh, someone posted fish out of water. Yeah, the fish out of water muscle, right? Like I once heard from Rabbi Shmuel Brazil, a Rebbe of mine. He said that, a, uh, that if you see a fish out of water, it looks like it's dancing and having a labadika time. It looks like it's having a really good time if you take the fish out of water. But really, what's the fish doing? It's dying. It's dying, right? So it looks like it's parting. It looks like so Rabbi, Rabbi Brazil was saying that as a muscle for learning Torah, that it might look like a person's having fun, you know? It's a little bit of a harsh muscle, I know. But that's what he said anyways. A, uh, uh, oh, I got a thumbs up on the screen. Nice. <laughs> a, but the point being, point being is though, Rabbi Nachman's addressing this deeper dimension though, like this is what we started with, that the simple Jew, right? The simple man, the ish prostic, that we see by the rules of creation that Hashem set it up in such a way that it's impossible to always maintain the same level to the point where Rebbe Nachman himself said, why are you coming to learn Torah from me? Don't you know? I don't know anything at all. All my levels were taken from me. I'm a simple Jew, Ish Prostik. I have nothing to tell you, right? I have nothing to tell you. Uh, one thought about this is that to just flesh this out a little bit more because it's very, very, although it's, it's, it's very simple, like, like everything that we learn from Rabbi Nachman, there's a certain simplicity to cut straight to the point, but it's also a lot of depth over here that, you know, the Zohar and the, the, the Zohar brings, and everyone knows this, our rights of right? The Torah and Hashem are considered one. So therefore, when a person separates from Torah, it's as if they're separating from God, Right? That a person who separates from Torah, it's not just the fact, the, the reason for that is, is because the Torah and the Jewish, the Torah and Hashem are one. So essentially, when you're separating from the Torah, you're really separating from Hashem. So if you're separating from Hashem's presence, uh, how is it possible to even exist? But nevertheless, nevertheless, we see that Hashem put into the rules of creation the way Hashem designed the human experience by default setting is that there are times where you're going to have to separate from Torah. Or the other way to say that is, is that nevertheless, we see by the rules of creation that Hashem designed the human experience that a person is always going to go in and out of levels of consciousness. A person is always going to go in and out of feeling, feeling states. So this is, this is I, I want to comment on this over here because I'm not sure if we're going to move forward in the piece. We'll see because it really develops a whole other topic and I want, I, want, I want to give justice to the, next, to the next part over here. But 
this is something that is it's so profound. It's so simple. It's so deep. You know, I see it in my practice all the time. People come, they want to feel, they don't want to feel anxious. People are suffering. I'm not, I'm not making light of that at all. And people are filled with depression and worry and anger and resentment. And all anyone really wants is to feel good. So they say, well, how do I solve my anxiety or how do I never feel this way again is essentially what people are asking. And what a lot of psychology teaches, you know, or what some of it teaches, at least I wouldn't say all of it, is that you're supposed to be feeling a certain way. And if you're not feeling a certain way, you got a problem, right? You need help. So if you're feeling anxious right now, you got to go to someone in order to solve that feeling for you. This way you could feel better. Or if you're feeling depressed, and I'm not saying, look, I work as a therapist. I'm not saying it's not helpful that you shouldn't go to speak to anyone. A person struggling with mental health issues should certainly speak to someone. But I think part of the, part of the antidote is, I think part of, the, part of the understanding is, it's built on this, on this false premise that a person could stay on the same level always. That a person, even with all their levels and all their hard work, and all the things that they accomplish in life, I think the underlining assumption is, is that you should be feeling a certain way. Meaning, what, what, is that, what does that mean to me? That really means that a person's really asking, how do I never feel this way ever again? How do I avoid any perceived negative feelings? How do I stay on the same level? How do I never have low level feelings that I don't want to experience, <laughs> right? But here, I think what they don't realize is that, is that falling, to lower, falling to lower level feelings is not necessarily considered a bad thing. It's not something that needs to be escaped. It's not something that needs to be changed. It's something that needs to be understood. It's something that a person needs to have a perspective that Rabbi Nachman showing us is that even though you might want to learn Torah all day, even though you might, want to rel- you might want to stay in the same emotional state or you might want to always be successful or whatever, however you're going to measure that bar of success, whether it's Torah or whether it's emotional state, it's a, the klal is, the rules of creation are, is that a person can't always remain in the same state forever. Right? The rules of creation are, is that, even the tzaddik MS, as we started with, even the true tzaddik, there are times in his life where, as we've seen, he has no levels at all, and all his madregas have been taken from him. So when it comes to emotional weather, when it comes to a personal's emotional state, right, the reason why a person feels the way they do and falls to lower levels is precisely because they're part of the rules of creation, not that they're separate from creation. When a person starts looking at themselves as their experience and their low-level feelings as separate from the rest of the world, as isolated from the rest of the world, and separate against the rules of creation, then they start wondering, well, what's wrong with me? Why do I have this problem even to begin with? But when a person starts understanding that the way Hashem created the world is, is that you're always going to go in and out of emotional states. And yes, it's true in that moment, but just in that moment. So then now a person, they're able to tolerate those states. And it comes from what Rabbi Nachman was saying over here. What comes from what Rabbi Nachman is saying over here that 
I don't, he repeated over and over and over, as we saw in Sichas Aran, I don't know anything at all. Eni yodea klau, uklau, uklau, lo. I don't know anything. All my levels, all my levels are taken from me. So, so when a person sees themselves, again, when a person sees themselves as part of creation, they see their emotional experience as part of the creation. So then what happens is they begin to, you know, it's like, it's like he's saying over here that if you're, if, if you think that you're never going to be Mavata learning Torah, that's impossible. Right? But even so, there are times you're going to have to watch the kids. You're going to have to go make a living. You're going to have to sit in traffic. You're going to have to go to the grocery store. That even a person who's a Baha Saga, even a person who's a Tzaddik, even a person who's a Lamdin, even a person who just learns whatever they could, whatever they're interested in learning, there are times that they're going to be Mavato. Now, before I move on, I, I, before I move on, does anyone have any questions on this, what we said so far? You could, oh, I see there's more on the chat. Someone. Someone posted here. Let's see. The struggle is life. Yes, someone wrote, the struggle is life. Yes, the struggle is life. The struggle is very good. You're not separating from life, but the struggle is life itself. I like that very much. Thank you for your comment. A, uh, now, we're going we're gonna to move on. Let's move on a little bit to foreshadow for next time. And next time, I'm going to, okay, you'll see. Stop giving introductions. We'll just read. Okay, let's go to the screen share over here. Okay, and we're gonna we're going to we'll start this, and it's gonna roll over into the next point. But that those things we'll get to those things we'll get to next week also. Okay, Ahda. Let me highlight it over here. Okay, you guys see that Ahda, Ahda. Now he's going to say that how does the tzaddik, as we started with, the tzaddik gets his, this, there are times when the tzaddik is totally regular, he's ordinary, he's a regular person, and he has no levels. So the question now becomes, well, if you separated, if, if that happened, he's come back to his original point now, where does he get his strength from? How is it possible that he's still alive, even though that he's mavato from Torah? And how is it possible? There's a question at the end. How is it possible that a person's still alive if Torah is life? How is it possible that he's still alive? Ach da, nah, you should know. That a tzaddik, that the true tzaddik, he sustains himself in that time when he's a simple Jew. From something called, and we're gonna the, the, a lot of the Torah is gonna revolve around this key term over here. So we're gonna we're gonna get to it. From the path of Israel, you should know. That all the simple people that we enumerated prior, like the Lamdin who was Mavato in Torah. And he's considered ordinary in that moment. Uh, if I could just ask everyone to mute themselves. Uh, and also, not only a Lamdin who's Mavato from Torah, but also a simple Jew, a regular simple Jew who's not a Lamdin, who's not considered a learner at all. 
Remember less, he's a kosher person in Yerushalayim. Of course they get sustained through Torah. I mean, if Torah's life, even a regular kosher Jew, and even a ish pashit, who's a lamdin, who's mavata, of course they get life from Torah. Even people that are even lower, even non-Jews, they also receive their life and vitality through the Torah, right? If the, if, right, if the Torah is the blueprint, right, the Nefesh Chaim explains this, that the Torah is the blueprint for the world, right? So if the, if the entire, if the Torah is the blueprint for the world, the entire Torah is the foundation of the world itself. So even everything, even the Umas HaOlam, even the nations of the world, even the non-Jews, even the regular Jews and everyone, even they are going to be sustained in some aspect through Torah. But all these simple people, they need to have a Ish Pashat Gadol, a extraordinary simple person. And all them, they're going to receive their vitality through this Ish Pashat Gadol. They're going to, we're, this is going to come clear as we read. All the, all the uh, simple people that we mentioned, ordinary people, they all need to receive their vitality through Torah, which is the main thing of life. But the truth is they're very far from Torah. Right? Because they're very simple people, as we're calling ordinary. Right? And through these simple people, these simple people, they're able to receive their vitality through this Ish Pashat Hagadol who's able to give them their Chiyas through Torah. Let me speak about this a little bit. And this, this again is all going to come clear, clear as, we, as we learn more. Okay. So Rabbi Nachman's saying that there's this tzaddik emes. There's something called the true tzaddik, right? And this tzaddik is an extraordinary tzaddik. It's it's an amazingly towering tzaddik. And what happens is is that this tzaddik is mavatul from Torah. And what happens when he's mavatul from Torah is he becomes a regular simple Jew. Now, when he becomes a simple Jew, he becomes an ish pashat hagadol, an extraordinary simple Jew. And somehow, we didn't explain this yet, somehow, when he becomes an extraordinary simple Jew, what happens is, is that gives chiyos, that's able to take the Torah and give chiyos to all the pshutim, even the non-Jews in the world. That when this ordinary person becomes simple, so he's able to uh, sustain all the regular pshutim, right? Because I'm going to foreshadow a little bit what he's going to say. He's going to say that, uh, he's going to say that up until the Torah was given, right? It says, Asar Maimaras Nivraha Olam, right? That the world was created with 10 Maimaras. But, but again, it's, it, he's going to ask, he's going to kind of ask the same question, like, 
how was it possible for the world to sustain, exist prior to the Torah being given? Right? How is it? It's the same question. If Torah is our life, so if the Torah is not given yet, how is it possible for the world to be sustained prior to the Torah being given? Right? So what he's going to say is that there's something called Asaru Maimaris Nivra Olam, and there's also something called Derech Eretz Yisrael, the path to Israel, and there's also something called there's also something called Otzer Matnaschinim, a storehouse of unearned gifts. Now, foreshadowing, he's going to explain all this, but he's going to say that the that this Asar Maimara Shenivra Olam, these 10 utterances that the world was created with, that is considered Hashem's Otzer Matnaschinim, Hashem's store, treasury of unearned gifts, his free storehouse of gifts. And, and that's how Hashem sustained the world prior to the world, prior to the Torah given. That there was this treasury of unearned gifts that Hashem was kind of dishing out to the world. And what happens is, once the Torah was given, it seems that Otzer Mat that treasury of unearned gifts, didn't need to be delved out or dished out in the same manner. But once, but since, since the Otzer Mat though, even though it doesn't need to be dished out in the same manner that it always needed to prior to the Torah being given, what happens is, is that the Tzaddik, who Zoha to the Otzer Mat who's zochered to the treasury of unearned gifts, when he becomes an each pashut, he now receives from the light of the treasury of unearned gifts. And through him, that light enters the world and it sustains all the pshutim. It sustains all the simple people and even the non-Jews in the world who are far from Torah. Because they're not able to get the Torah directly because after all, they're far from Torah. But when it's true, when the when a tzaddik is mavato from Torah, because those are the rules of creation, so he now receives from this treasury of unearned gifts, which corresponds to the Sarmai Marish and Nivra Ha'olam. It corresponds to the way Hashem, uh, the way Hashem sustained the world prior to the giving of the Torah. And now he gives out that light of the Sarmai Marish and Nivra Ha'olam to the rest of the world. It, the, that light passes through him and now gets delved out and gets delved out to the Torah. This is an amazing thing. Now, this has all become clear as we learn. It's a little bit of a, uh, it's a deep piece. It's a very deep piece, but it's definitely going to get clear as we learn. But I, I don't know if I should read more. Should I read more? Should I go on reading more, guys? Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna read I'm gonna read a little bit more. Thumbs up. Thumbs down? Uh oh, we got thumbs up. Well, we got both directions. We're gonna go back to the screen share over here. Okay. You know, thumbs up. We got another thumbs up. Okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna keep going. Kida. You see that over there? Let me highlight it. I just don't want to confuse everyone. Kida, you should know. All the simple people that we mentioned, whether it's a Lamdin who's learning Torah for the sake of God, because when a person learns not for Hashem, it doesn't help for anything with the settlement and establishment of the world. Because learning Shalolishma 
is only learning for yourself. And of course, there are many levels of this. When a person learns Lishma for Hashem, he, that is learning in order to teach other people, not for yourself, and that obviously helps settle the world. Why? Because if you're teaching other people, that, brings in, that allows the world to be inhabited, that allows for a proper world. But when a person is Mavato from his limud, right? A person who, so then they're considered ordinary. Whether it's the other types of simple people we spoke about. Right? All these people, hold on a second. I didn't skip. Okay, I didn't skip, right? All, right? Gamzet, right? And Hain Shar called Shutan whether Kol Echad Echfirizasa Batora, each individual according to their Chalik in Torah, their grasp in Torah. Hu Mechai Atma Is I'm sorry, I lost the place again. Hu Mechai Atma Baes Shituso Bechinis Kima Olam, right? They're able to sustain themselves Bechinis Kima Olam Kodam Kabbalah Torah. This is an aspect of the establishment of the world prior to receiving of the Torah. Now he's going to explain what this means. Because prior to Hashem giving the Torah, the Torah was, the world only existed from the Chesed of Hashem. Because the Torah wasn't in, in the physical world yet, and so there weren't any commandments. That the world should be sustained through. Right, so the main kiyama olam was through Hashem's. The way the world existed prior to the giving of the Torah was through Hashem's chesed. That tzaddik, the eshtituso, but the tzaddik at the time when he's ordinary, the shasha bodom in a Torah at the time when he's separate from Torah, who mekabochios mebechina zu, he's able to receive his life force, his vitality from the chesed of Hashem. How? The same way Hashem sustained the world through, before the giving of the Torah, that same light that Sadik receives when he's not learning Torah and he's batal. Bechinas, and this is what I was foreshadowing, Bechinas Otser and this is Hashem's treasury of unearned gifts. Ki yesh Otser Shel because there is a tre- treasury of free gifts. That a person who has no merit at all receives from this treasury. And of course, Rishayim don't get from this storehouse. Because if a Russia would actually get from this storehouse, then he'd be considered greater than the Tzadik. Because a Russia definitely has no Tzadik. And you think he's going to be, he'll be Zoha to get from the Otsar Mat Naschinim? Let me just explain that point over here. That's a, that's a big point. Right? The Tzaddik, it himself, is able to sustain himself through learning Torah. So, in a certain way, he doesn't need Hashem's Otsar Mat Naschinim. Why? Because he has his own Schusses. Right? Now let's look at the Russia. Right? Now... Let's flash to the Russia. The Russia really needs the Yotzer Mat because he has no schusim at all. Right? So Rabbi Nachman saying, of course the Russia 
shouldn't get from Hashem's treasury of free gifts because he has no schusim at all, right? This is, this is a very fine point. It's important to understand. It's going to shed light on the whole thing because he has no schusim at all, right? So why should he get from Hashem's otzer matnaschinim, treasury of, of free gifts? He shouldn't. But on the other hand, we see that the tzaddik doesn't need it because the tzaddik has his own schusim from learning Torah. So what Hashem did was, Hashem gives the tzaddik from his otzer matnaschinim, from his treasury of free gifts, at the time when the tzaddik is bottled from Torah. The tzaddik now receives that light and delves it to the Russia who has no schusim on their own. Because the Russia on his own should not get from the Otzer Matnaschinim because he has no schusim. So why is it fair? Why should the Russia get anything? The Russia has no schusim. Why should he get from Hashem's treasury of Otzer Matnaschinim? The answer is, he shouldn't. But the Tzaddik, on the other hand, he doesn't need Hashem's Otzer Matnaschinim. He has plenty of schusim. So what happens is, is that Tzaddik, Hashem set this up, that when the Tzaddik is Mavato from Torah, he now receives from Hashem's Otzer Matnaschinim which is the same generosity, it's the same chesed that Hashem used to sustain the world prior to the Torah being given. So now the tzaddik receives that light and he now delves it out to the rest of the world because they don't necessarily have their own schus in order to receive from the matnaschinam because they don't learn Torah. So even it comes out, as Rabbi Nachman was saying, that even the umas ha'olam, they get sustained through the tzaddik who receives Hashem's otzer matnaschinim at a time when he doesn't know anything at all. Incredible, right? Any questions on this? Questions? No questions. No questions. No questions. I got a question. Your nephew, your nephew wants to know where the Parsha connection is. There he is. Waiting for the Parsha connection. Okay, let's jump to the Parsha connection. Right, this is amazing, and this this is all I, I threw everyone into the middle of a more difficult piece, but it is straightforward, and this is all going to become clear as we as we learn more, as we go deeper into this piece. It's an it's an amazing piece how Eretz Yisrael connects into this. We're going to learn about Eretz Yisrael also, but let's jump to the Parsha connection. Open up the Chumash over here. Uh, so the Parsha says like this: It's Parsha's Bahar, and it says Ve'yedaber Hashem o Moshe lemor Bahar Sinai lemor. Hashem came to Moshe uh, at Har Sinai saying, right? So I wanted to put this together with the mission in Prikei Avos. It says, Moshe kibel Torah Sinai. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai. Now, old Moforshim asked, I saw this in the Benish Chai actually. He says, what do you mean Moshe received the Torah from Har Sinai? Didn't Moshe receive the Torah from Hashem? <laughs> right? Moshe didn't receive the Torah from Har Sinai. He received the Torah from Hashem. So what does it mean, Moshe Kibel Torah Messinai? What does it mean, Moshe received the Torah from Har Sinai? Now, this is a classic answer. Over here, we all know this answer. Moshe learned from the midas of Har Sinai. He learned from the humility. He learned from the smallness of Har Sinai that you have to be humble, and therefore, you could receive, you could receive the Torah. So I want to say, how does this tie to our peace? What does it mean that Moshe learned from Har Sinai? It means Moshe was looking around. He saw big mountains. Hashem was looking around. Hashem saw big mountains. Moshe saw big mountains. Moshe saw small mountains. And big mountains represent Elias. That, me Yaleh Bahar Hashem, umi Yakum B'Mokum Kadshel, right? Who could ascend the mountain of Hashem and who could stand in his 
in his holy place. So mountains represents very high levels. But small mountains represent Yeridas, right? It's not a desert because the Yerida itself is an Aliyah. So Moshe learned from Har Sinai, I want to say, what does that mean? And how does that fit to the piece? That he learned that, you, that part of life is ups and downs. Yeridas and Aliyahs. You have big mountains, you have small mountains. You have ups and downs. There are times in your life where you have super mountain, you're going to go to the tallest mountain. But there are other times in your life where, where you're an ish pashat an ma'od. You're a very, very simple mountain. You're not a big mountain, simple mountain, right? And this is what Rabbi Nachman was saying, right? This is what we started with, that there are times when the tzaddik falls from all his levels and he's considered an ish prostik. He's considered a simple Jew. And this is what it means. Hashem was again teaching Moshe the lesson in Parshas Bahar, the lesson of Har Sinai, which is, you read this in Elias, big mountains and small mountains, that a person can't always remain on the same emotional state constantly. And it's part of the rules of creation that a person has to go in and out of levels of consciousness and feeling states. And therefore, instead of running away from feeling states, a person's able to embrace the time where they're considered an ish prostic, considered absolutely ordinary, which is our times right now where everyone's just kind of holding on and being movato from all sorts of normal activity that they're normally used to. That was my parts of connection, everyone. And with this, never know how to end. And with this, everyone should have an amazing Shabbos and know Hashem is with you even at the time when you're a simple Simple, ordinary Jew. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Did you mute him? I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, you want me to mute someone? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna repeat the question. So, what well, did it mean? I'm gonna, what? I'm gonna leave now. I'm gonna. I gotta get going. But. Okay, Benjamin, pleasure.